hello everybody and welcome to another episode in my podcast series, Did It Anyway. I uh, am really excited because uh, the the guest that I have on today is from the other side of the world and I've seemed to be doing this more than, than not now. I'm speaking to people over in the United States of America. Um, this time we're going all the way over to Connecticut, so over new, near New York, um, to speak to my next guest today. And I was lucky enough to meet um, my friend Bob Newbold when I was uh, over in the United States doing some work and we actually, I went to a networking meeting and so Bob runs a networking meeting every week um, so people can meet new people and, and you know, make new business associates, I guess. So I went along to this meeting and met a bunch of the people that he works with there and, and Bob runs this meeting and has done for a number of years and so it was a great opportunity to meet him and, and I actually got an opportunity to kick around afterwards and and listen to his story as well, which is a really interesting story um, that he actually has an opportunity to tell people um, quite a bit now. He goes out and shares his story um, of what he's been through and, and we're lucky enough that he's going to be with us today and go through that story. So I'm really excited to introduce Bob and I'll, I'll hand over to you for a second, Bob. What do you tell us a bit about where you're from and what you do? Um, and then we'll jump uh, a little bit more into the details of your story and why you're on today. Well, thank you, Baron. It's a pleasure to be on with you tonight. And uh, well, tonight here, morning there, that's right, I'm on the other side of the world from you. But, um, you know, uh, you mentioned how we met and you came to the the networking meeting. And I remember you called me um, a couple days before just to make sure, you know, the drill and everything and let me know you were coming. And uh, when you said you were from Australia and you're going to be over here and I'm there like, what? You know, it's just <laughs> a little hard to believe. I I think we all in the United States just have this thing about Australia and what a cool place it seems to be. I'm sure it is. And, but, uh, that you were going to be there. Um, you and, um, Rob certainly made our morning that day. So it was great to meet you. Yeah, and, you. um, your, your story, certainly I was impressed by that and liked listening to your, podcast as well but um uh you know my my name is bob newbold as baron said and i'm actually an insurance agent in west hartford connecticut we're an independent agency we sell all lines of insurance and we're licensed with several different companies and um you know i've been doing that for many many years and i enjoy it always enjoyed uh working with people and um it's uh just something that I probably don't see myself retiring from. I enjoy it. And um, I just wanted those guys that need something to do to keep me busy. Oh, so uh, that's it's, and I love meeting people and running that networking group. It's actually for the Newington, Connecticut chamber of commerce. And so uh, it's uh, worked out well for both me and uh people that come to visit us and I hope you felt welcome when you were there, Baron. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was actually really good. We felt like rock stars because we were the Aussies there and we kind of stood out a bit, I guess. So it was, it yeah, was great. Yeah. Well, I, I just a couple more things. I'm, I'm married, been married at actually for 42 years and I have a wow. son, 37, who's married and has uh, our two-year-old grandson. And then I have another son who's 34 and uh, he lives my other older son lives in the Boston area and my other son lives right local about 10 minutes away from me and he and his wife are expecting the first week in January. So we're looking forward to our second grandchild and we'll have one 
pretty much in our backyard. The, the other one's about two hours away, but thanks to uh, uh, FaceTime and things like that, we get to spend a good amount of time. You know, it's uh, those technology things that we have today that uh, we're missing years ago. So it's all at the right time, you know. Love it. Well, congratulations on, on that. That's fantastic. So it sounds picture perfect. Your life sounds picture perfect, but there was a, there was a, a situation that happened um, only, uh, I guess, 18 months ago now. Um, and I'd love you to talk us through that, that situation of what happened, because for me, it's not just the situation of what happens, it's what you've done after, which we'll talk, talk more about in a second, but you're a classic example of someone that has taken a really <clears throat> tough, frustrating, scary situation and turned it into something quite impactful for people around you. And it's really impressive to me, the work that you're doing now based on that experience that you have. But I'm going to take you back to the 20th of March, 2017, Bob. And why don't you tell us, you're obviously at work at the insurance company that you're working with, but why don't you tell us a little bit about what happened on that day? Well, that day it was, um, sometimes I say I come back to work after the weekend to get some rest, but um, it was kind of a, excuse me, busy weekend. And we had gone up to Boston to um, our grandson's uh, baptism um, that Sunday. And um, so Monday, I'm back at the desk and just catching up on a bunch of things. And I I remember very uh, specifically, you know, all the things that I was doing, getting organized for the week and everything. And um, took good notes of what I was doing and everything. And um, a lot of times I'll, you know, when lunchtime comes around, um, uh, I'll go out or whatever. This particular day, though, I happened to bring my lunch and ate lunch at my desk and um, uh, everything was, was fine. I had no indications of anything that was going to happen to me. Never thought anything about it. And um, I, I just remember about one fifteen in the afternoon, I got up from my desk and I was going to take some things. We have a shredder on the other side of the office. So I, I walked, I, I remember getting about 10 or 15 feet from my desk and realizing that my right arm was just hanging limp. Um, you know, my left arm was out and, you know, use your arms when you walk and everything. And my right arm was just drooping. So I, uh, just remember thinking, you know, recognize that that wasn't right. You know, <laughs> that shouldn't yeah. be doing that. It's so right. um, I, um, I remember thinking that I'm going to go back to my desk and, uh, you know, just sit down and, and take stock of what's going on and try to figure it out. And maybe it's just a temporary thing or whatever, but what it actually was, was a stroke. Um, I, walked back to my desk. I, I know that I did, but I don't remember that. I remember thinking I'm going to do that, <clears throat> but that whole walk back, I don't remember. And when I got to my desk, I, my leg, I collapsed and uh, fell between my desk and my credenza, uh, made a lot of noise. And so uh, I was fortunate, you know, being at work that people heard me and came running in to see what the problem was. And, um, uh, so I'm on the floor and um, trying to move and everything. My, it turned out my whole right side was paralyzed and somebody asked me a question and I couldn't respond. I couldn't talk. So, um, you know, they, I, I'm fortunate. I work with my wife. She does a lot of um, uh, backup 
for us. Uh, she takes care of our licensing at the office and serves as a receptionist and all kinds of things that she does for us. And that day she was my little guardian angel. She's kind of uh, very medically aware, you know, from what we lived through with our both of our parents who have since passed, but they had their health issues that most people do at that age. But she initially thought I was having a heart attack and um, she noticed I was breathing okay. So uh, then she said, you know, it, it's got to be a stroke. So what we did was, or what she did was they called 911 immediately, which is the, the best thing to do. But um, I remember that, uh, well, the ambulance company that services the area is like a mile and a half from my office. Um, the fire department is in the town I work in is the first responder, and then the police department's not too far away. So they all kind of converged very quickly. And um, I remember they came in, and, and um, here I am on the floor, and they had to move my desk to get me out of there. And um, uh, it, it just seemed like everything was happening so fast. And um, they were asking me questions. I, as I said, I couldn't talk. Um, so I just remember they put me on the gurney, the stretcher, and um, and um, walked me out of the office. And I remember my wife and a couple of the other ladies in the office were standing by the door, and and I asked them to stop. You know, I wanted to tell my wife something, and um, so they said, "Well, we got to get going." I said, "You know, I implied that it was going to be quick, but I I went to say." something and nothing came out and I don't remember exactly what I was going to say but I told my wife it must have been I love you thank you and all that but they wheeled me down down through the office uh, building down the hallways and out to the ambulance and um, put me in there and strapped me all in and um, the important thing is the whole time that I was in the ambulance they're working on me the the um, the uh, paramed uh, I guess it is um, she's putting an IV in me and we're cruising along to the hospital with the sirens going and everything. Cause we, my, my office is actually right off the highway uh, that leads into Hartford to the uh, Hartford hospital. Um, so uh, that's another important thing is that Hartford hospital is the um, it's a comprehensive stroke center. For Connecticut, it's one of two. Yale University Hospital is a comprehensive stroke center, and Hartford Hospital is. So I was maybe three or four miles from from that hospital, so I got there very quickly. And that's one of the things with strokes is you want to um, everything's time, and they they say in the stroke world, time is brain because every second or minute that that you're um, in stroke mode, you're your brain is getting killed off. You know, it's uh, it's killing your brain. So uh, the sooner you can get taken care of, the better. Now but, you mentioned um, you mentioned Bob just before that a couple of times you were asked a question and you couldn't answer. You you, you know, obviously couldn't form the words because of what was going on. Were you conscious right. that you couldn't actually get the words out, and were you scared? And you know, like what was going through your head at that point? That was scary. You know, it's, it's like, well, you know, what, what's, what's happened to me and, and what's, what's life going to be like? I mean, you kind of fast forward to, is this going to be me? Um, I mentioned to you that, um, 
uh, riding in the ambulance, um, I, I tell, cause I'm doing these presentations now. And one of the things that I tell people is because of the way you'll hear how I came out of this so well, but it's kind of like the stroke never happened. But, um, I remember just being in the ambulance, looking up at the ceiling and thinking, uh, I guess I'm left-handed now. And I guess I'm a left-handed emailer because I can't talk you know so i'm already planning ahead what my life is going to be <laughs> funny what i'm the, on the scariest i'll be honest with you the scariest thing about that is just like the last thing i and most people want to be is a burden to their family yeah. and i mean i've seen how how uh, medical issues can cause a lot of um you know, people, families do it and they, they, they love the person and they do what they have to do. But I mean, it's just, I, I don't like a guy that likes a lot of fuss made over me. So I wouldn't want, I, I just, it, it wasn't the right time or place for me to have that happen. <laughs> so just thinking, thinking ahead, you know, that, that, that feeling will never leave me. The, the feeling that, uh, you know, uh, this is going to be my new life. The, yeah. As they say, the um, new normal is going to be, you know, paralyzed on the right side and, you know, can't talk. And uh, how's, how's that going to affect the rest of my life? So um, it, it didn't, as you know, didn't end up happening that way. And I can go into that now if you want. Yeah, please jump into that. Because you, as you mentioned that earlier, you know, you, your recovery was quite amazing. But before before you found out about all that in the hospital what was the first thing that they said to you when you got there well i'll I'll just say that um when i was in the ambulance uh there they put the iv in me so i'd be ready when i got there but they're on the phone uh radio however they communicate but uh they're right in touch with the stroke team at the hospital and um when i got there i i like to say in my presentation that I got the easy pass, you know, right into the stroke emergency room. And there had to be 20 people standing around. And I go wheeling past all these people that are in the, in the uh, emergency room. I mean, it, it was a very busy time there. And um, so I go wheeling right in. And I just remember uh, that was the only time that I really had any tears. It was like, oh, my God, you know, what's happening? What's going to happen? But I got into that room and and um, they went right to work. They they had all my readings and they knew everything that was going on with me and they went right to work. And, you know, there were doctors, nurses, uh, all kinds of technology people and, you know, radiologists and you name it. Uh, but uh, they all knew their, their job. And, you know, I, I just remember a few things uh, that they, they did a scan and they found the clot in the left side of my brain, which is, uh, that affects your right side when the clot's on the left side. So, um, and vice versa. But, um, I just remember them saying something about removing it and, um, to the layman who's, uh, laying there, um, you know, remove it. Um, first thing I went to was, are they going to do surgery? I mean, they're going to open my skull yeah. and <laughs> take out this clot so um but it turns out um the 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 iv that they give you is for a drug called tpa and there's a nice long name for it but everybody knows what tpa is but i call it uh drano 
but it's it's a <laughs> a, a blood thinner and uh, it's um, designed to get things flowing, you know, and and maybe break up the cloud a little bit and everything. So uh, they gave me that, and um, my wife was out in the hallway, and and uh, they would go out and speak to her, but she said they came out and said the the they call it a clot buster is another name for the TPA, and she they told her that uh, they could see a little movement in my limbs after they did that. Um, and then they asked about taking the clot out. And so they explained how that worked. And um, with all these the things, they explained the risk of doing the clot buster. They explained the risk of, of um, taking the clot out. And the actual procedure to remove the clot is called a mechanical thrombectomy. And um, it's interesting name you'd never know what it was from that name but uh they actually uh insert a tube in in your groin they start at the groin and they go right up through your body through the heart up through the carotid artery to your brain and um there's a in the tube is a little mesh and when they get to the clot which is just amazing that they can do that um when they get to the clot, there's the mesh, they're able to release the mesh. The clot, I always thought would be a hard thing, but it, apparently it's like gelatin or something. And the, it envelops or the mesh envelops the clot. Then they pull it back into the tube and then they remove the tube. So they went in and did that procedure and took the clot out and, um, uh, that's really the, the secret of my success. It's um, something that all these things have time limits, time frames. The um, TPA, they've got to, you've got to have that within the first four hours of a stroke. And they, they really needed to know, they had to confirm exactly when they, when I had the stroke, you know, they, they called my office and said, are you sure, you know, you saw him, you know, about what time? And it was about one o'clock and I had the stroke about 15 minutes later and I was in the hospital by before two o'clock, I think. So, um, we were well within that. And then at the time that I had that mechanical thrombectomy, it, um, uh, there was about a four hour time limit on that too. And, um, now just a little sideline here is that, um, they uh, have improved the scanning so much just within the last year and a half that they can do a scan of your a person's brain who has the clot and they can tell number one what's damaged and number two what potential damage there is if they don't remove the clot and I've heard of cases uh, I know of an 82 year old woman who um, they took the clot out like 24 hours after the stroke and she um, recovered. I I don't know how much uh, rehab or how many how much deficit she had or anything, but the fact was that they took the clot out and she is uh, fine and living a living a good life. But um, it's just the the technology. Everything is changing so fast, and um, obviously, so improved. everything's getting a little better. Yeah. Now, now you, now all this stuff was happening while you obviously you still had no real movement in your right side. Is that right? Um, yeah, they um, after the me mechanical thrombectomy and everything. I remember they um, uh, brought me up to my room, and uh, in the meantime, my wife and 
my two sons and one of my daughters-in-law were there and um, they explained how they were going to do this procedure and why don't you come back about 7.30 and um, it was like an hour and a half later. So when they came back, they when they left, I <laughs> couldn't talk and I couldn't move my whole right side yeah. and they um, came back to my room at 7.30 and uh, as my wife says, I'm like sitting up in bed and I waved them in. I said, Hey, come on in. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it was uh, just so quick, you know, it was like six or seven hours after the stroke and, um, I had movement in my right side and, and, um, and I could talk. I was very hoarse, uh, because yeah. they, I had the, um, the, uh, intubation and I actually woke up to them removing that, which <laughs> wasn't a fun time. No. But, uh, I'd say it was worth it, you know, for all that. But, so that's, ama- that's yeah, amazing. So, uh, in that short amount of time, you went from being totally paralyzed down one side, not being able to speak, to all of a sudden almost back to your normal self, just not feeling overly well. Yeah, yeah. So the next day, um, the doctor came in and he said, we're going to keep you, and, you know, obviously. And, and they were running all kinds of tests and things. And um, But... I mean, at that point, I'm getting up out of bed by myself. And um, uh, that night they came up and it was a Tuesday night and they said, we're going to move you to a step down unit and uh, we'll get a wheelchair. And I said, well, can I walk? And they said, sure. So I walked over to the step down unit. And, um, you know, it's it's just funny. Like I was known as uh, you're the guy that had the stroke. <laughs> so I mean, but uh it's just when your doctor calls you the miracle man, uh, it's it's a little humbling, you know, and um, it just made me feel like there was a reason for all this, and um, it's uh, it's just kind of kind of ironic, kind of I say funny, it's uh, funny look looking back, but I mean it, it's it's just amazing, and I always say why me, why me, and. Uh, uh, so I, I I think you and I talked about probably the why me is um, I well, I say in the ambulance God's looking down on me and she says we can't do this to his wife he'll be miserable if he's you know unable to move or anything so um, we'll let him go he's got a big mouth and he knows a lot of people so we'll make him uh, <laughs> the that. strokesman <laughs> so, I love that he's so I call myself the strokesman now the spokesman for stroke awareness the strokesman so. and that's something that was this is the part of the story that I think is just brilliant because um, you you have this experience and it's a miracle right dead said that's amazing I mean to be able to in six hours, you lose all the effects of having that stroke. I mean, obviously the medical team's done an amazing job, but the timing was right. But now you go and tell this story to help other people and help them to see the, to to notice the signs and to act quickly and you teach them to act quickly. And, and you told me, I think you've done 33 talks or something now. And, and you go by, you took your talks called a stroke of luck and you go out and you speak to a variety of different groups. Why do you do that? Well, it it's kind of started with um, the fact that I, right after I had the stroke, I was getting phone calls and cards and emails and everything. And the common theme was that people said, I learned so much about strokes from what happened to you. And, um, you know, so I'm thinking, well, people are 
you know, happy to hear about this stuff and learn more about it. So I talked to the um, hospital, my nurse navigator, and um, I asked about outreach, what kind of outreach programs they had. And she said, well, that's uh, another thing. She said, we just got emails stating that we should be doing more of that stuff. So I said, well, here I am. I'm going to do anything I can to help you. So um, uh, another timing thing was the stroke was in March, towards the end of March. And May is actually Stroke Awareness Month. So the hospital has a big uh, stroke conference on the first week in May, the first Saturday in May. And they asked me to give a presentation there. So um, that was actually my my first real presentation that I did was to, to them. Although here's, here's an interesting story. I gave my little uh, dress rehearsal to my 7am network group, the one that you attended. And um, I, I said, well, I got to do this Saturday. So I'm going to just, you know, go through it and, you know, polish it up a little bit. So I did my talk and gave them um, uh, information about strokes. And lo and behold, one of the guys in the group manages a, a um, firm of about 45 people. And that Friday, one of his guys had a medical issue and it was very similar to a stroke, but uh, Jim ran out to his car and got the materials I gave him and it went through the, uh, you know, the, the, the technique for recognizing a stroke, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But, um, you know, so it, it turned out to be a diabetic issue. The guy, they had changed his medicine or something, but he was showing signs of like paralysis and things like that. So, yeah. um, but when the EMTs, the, uh, uh, medical people came, he said, well, we went through the stroke protocol. <laughs> so they said that was good. But I mean, here's two days after I do my first little talk on it. So, you know, you talk to so many people and you wonder, you know, maybe uh, some good things will happen out of all this. You know, they always say if you can save one life, it's worth it. But, uh, you know. I love I love that. And I think it's a, it goes to something that I speak about pretty frequently when I do my keynotes. And that is about, I talk about a diamond in the rough. And what I mean by that is sometimes we're, we're, give, we're dealt a bad hand or something crap happens in our life. Having a stroke is a pretty scary, horrible thing. I don't think anyone look at it and that's a great thing. But what you've been able to do is find the good part of it. Well, you've gone, I love what you said. You said, I've got a big mouth and I know a lot of people. <laughs> So I can have an impact and you are, you, you're able to go and have an impact and find something good about the situation. Now, it wasn't a nice experience, but it's probably been a good thing in the sense that it's happened to you because you do have a big mouth and you know lots of people and you have the courage yeah, yeah. to tell that story. All of a sudden, yeah. it goes from being a horrible experience to something that is not only inspiring to other people, but um, educational to other people. And I love that. That's the way that... Um, and why I wanted you to get on this this podcast is that is the way I think we should attack most challenges in life. Because sometimes we have these challenges in life that are like, they're really horrible. And at the time, we just focus on how horrible they are and how uncomfortable they are. But you you show us with what you're doing now that it's not even about the experience. It's about what you go on and do afterwards and the attitude that you take on going after that. And so I think that's really brilliant, um, the way that you... Well, I, I talk about stroke survivors in my presentation and I mean typically technically I am a stroke survivor I had one 
a real one. You know, people say, well, it was a mild stroke. No, it wasn't mild. It was a full-blown full stroke. Yeah. But it's just the technology that, you know, I was in the right place at the right time. And it was a stroke of luck, as I say. But um, uh, the, the other thing is that I told you I'm in the Rotary Club in my town and um, been in it for many years. And one of the things that I've always enjoyed doing is uh, being like a program chairman. So we have speakers come in. We meet every week. So about two or three weeks out of the month, we have a, a guest speaker come in. And I love when people come in with their mission, you know, with their, their um, just their passion for what they're talking about. And, and it could be somebody who's survived cancer or God forbid their child has some horrible disease or something and, and they've taken up the cause. And, and there's so many things out there. I, I know people that have started, uh, you know, uh, building sustainable wells for Guatemalan families up in the highlands in Guatemala and, um, you know, other people that started a, um, uh, an orphanage in, in Africa and because of AIDS and then, uh, Another one started um, a school in India, and so <clears throat> excuse me, people are doing stuff all around the world, and and they're out talking about it and everything. So I said, well, maybe this is my new mission. You know, it's a uh, need a little, little, just a little change in my life. So uh, this has become it. So I've uh, I've really enjoyed it, and and I get good feedback from it. So uh, um, and, I and really. I was going to say, is that, and that experience, and that experience, has that made you think differently about? Well, obviously, you're, chat, you're you're doing this thing and you're doing these speeches now, but has it made you think a little more differently about each day that you're given? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's like when I would do something, just silly little things. But my my neighbor across the street, she uh, um, needed help putting a um, a uh, tank propane tank in her gas grill you know she wasn't able to do it so she's very friendly with my wife so uh, bob can you do that so i did that you know this was like a month or two after the stroke and i'm thinking you know all these little things that i'm doing i wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't be able to do you know it's just makes you appreciate every little thing that you do that you take kind of take things for granted until you know it's almost taken away from me and that's where that riding in the ambulance, looking up, thinking, uh, is this the new normal for me? Uh, for that not to happen uh, is just so, wow. <laughs> yeah, so I appreciate, so. I like that, be grateful and appreciate the little things, like take a bit more notice of those little things and they can help people's lives as well and they can touch your life. So I think that's a really good point. Like they say, don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. <laughs> it is, yeah, it absolutely is. Now, I'd love you, while, while you're on, I actually want you to tell us about some of those signs that we should look for from a stroke perspective. What are those, what are those signs that you actually teach when you go out and tell the story? Well, the, the key word um, is fast, F-A-S-T. So um, uh, if you just remember that word, the F uh, stands for face. And um, uh, if either happening to you or someone that you see, um, if, if you feel a, like a numbness in the face or you see a drooping, people have heard of Bell's palsy. If you see a, yeah. a droop like that in somebody's face, that is a sign doesn't mean you're having a stroke. Um, Bell's palsy is a similar sign, but it's not a stroke. Um, but uh, 
So the other thing is A is for arm. So that's uh, like my case, my arm went totally numb, um, couldn't move it at all. Um, but you may have uh, loss of strength. Um, you may be, you've heard of people dropping things, um, unable to hold on to things. So what you do is ask them to hold their arms out straight like a T. Um, and uh, just uh, if they're unable to do that, then that's a sign. As far as the F with the face, another thing you can do is ask them to smile. And um, if there's stroke signs, they won't be able to smile, you know, with a good straight smile. Yeah. Uh, so we got the F and the A, and the S is is speech. So um, my case, I lost totally lost it, um, but it could be like slurring, or even gobbledygook. You know, you open your mouth and and just bizarre things come out. So it, it's that sign as well. So um, and then T uh, is just time, time to call nine one one. And um, one of the things I say is that um, even if to say you could drive your friend or spouse or whatever to the hospital, you know, in, in 10 or 15 minutes and it's going to take 20 minutes in an ambulance, the whole time you're in the ambulance, like I said, they're, they're on the radio or, or phone with the stroke center and going through everything so that when you get there, like I had the easy pass right into the stroke emergency room. Um, you don't have to go in and say, well, I think they're having a stroke or whatever. And you, you know how you get backlogged in an better, emergency Better room. to call the ambulance. Just call 911. And, and the thing is, nobody wants an ambulance pulling up in front of their office or their home or whatever. But um, it's just something that's got to be done. And, you know, you, you can't worry about, well, what if it's a false alarm? Well, paramedics will tell you every day that, They'd rather come out for a false alarm um, than you not call and, and regret it later. I yeah. talked to a lady who uh, lives with the guilt of not calling 911 when her mother was having a stroke because she didn't really know what it was and she just thought it might go away or something. So, um, you know, it turned out to be very serious and, and the daughter's like beating herself up all the time because she didn't didn't call 911 just call so. the ambulance now in australia of course i'll just let you know it's triple zero everybody knows that i think in australia but it's triple zero and yeah, yeah. but um i think that's great great advice i mean just be conscious of that face arm speech and time just call call the emergency services straight away um yeah there's actually a smartphone app uh, it's called find a stroke fast so you just look that up in your google play your you know google um play store or whatever or apple um whatever i don't have apple but whatever they call their store iTunes, probably yeah. the apple store but yeah. um anyway but find a stroke fast there's actually the 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 pointers for uh, recognizing one and you can actually call well i don't know in australia how i don't know if you call 911 or something else but um uh, in in america you can call 911 right from your phone you just push a button and it dials it for you yeah. so um but that's I think a good that's thing. The best advice is call i mean in australia it's triple zero but call it straight away i think that's really good advice um yeah yeah the thing for me about your story bob and the thing that i love is that you're not getting any younger and I don't mean to be rude, of course, but the fact that you're, you've, I mean, you're always doing your networking meetings and constantly meeting new people, but you could be retiring now. 
And I love the fact that you've gone, I'm going to start on this new quest, this new mission to go and help other people so they're aware of it so they're not caught out. Um, and you, because of the luck that you've experienced and the miracle that you had of, of recovering so quickly, I love that you're out there sharing it. And it really steps to a couple of points for me, and that is find that diamond in the rough and find whatever challenge that if someone's listening to this podcast now, whatever challenge it is that you're dealing with in your life, there is something good about that challenge. You might not be able to see it now. You might not be able to feel it now, but there's something good about that challenge that you can go a different path in your life or something that you can change. Um, you said something, Bob, that I really loved, and that was to find your passion. So you love the people yep. that come into your rotary clubs and they've got that passion and they're chasing it and they want to tell that story and go and do something amazing to help other people. So I'd say find your passion and do something with it. And go and go and make a difference. We all can make a difference, um, and you're you're a good example of that. And the last point that I want to wrap up on, I guess, is you mentioned about appreciating the little things, and and I would call that being grateful, being grateful that for the the small things around you. And people would say, stop and smell the roses, and I think that's a really good example of that, where you just be conscious of the fact that every day is a gift, and appreciate those little things as you go along. Is that a fair summary, I guess, of of, of what you're doing, Bob? That's really it. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten good feedback, like a guy I went to high school with, uh, I had sent out a thing because I'm like email guy for my, my high school class. And, and I just sent out what I was doing and what had happened and everything. And, and he sent back and he said, strokes run in my family. And he says, I've always, uh, feared having one. And he said, you're, uh, experience with one has has given me hope that if you know god forbid you have one but it's not the end of the world you know there's the, with the technology and everything it's a much brighter brighter uh, ending um if everything goes well so if you do the, if you follow the steps as best you can if you're in that situation you can follow those steps and get help quickly obviously that makes the big difference doesn't it right right yeah well, Bob, I've really appreciated having you on and I love the work that you're doing. And I love that it's, it's just, it's you following your passion and going to do something about it. And I, I love that. I think that's a great example for everybody else that's listening. And as I always say to people that are listening to this podcast, um, see what you can take out of this, out of what Bob has had to say today and it'll be something that you can apply to your life, even if it's just one little thing. And I also like to do a bit of a call out like Bob, if there's anyone else that you know, um, that maybe it's just you yourself, but maybe someone that you know that has gone through a pretty challenging time, but has not let it defeat them. They've acted in spite of the challenges that they have been dealt and not let that challenge define them. Just like Bob has explained to us today, please get in contact with me. I'd love to interview um, either you or them. Um, if they're friends of yours, and I'd love to have them tell their story because when we all share our stories, there's a great strength that comes when we understand challenges that other people are going through because sometimes in life, we think that everybody else has it better than what we do, but we never actually know what's going on in a person's life. And I would never have known that Bob has had a stroke when I met him. Never would have known. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't look like it, that's for sure. and doesn't speak like it. Um, and it's just a, it's great to hear your story and be able to share that, Bob. So thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story with everyone that's listening. Well, thank you very much, Baron. It's been a pleasure talking to you and good luck with your future podcasts. No worries. Thanks very much, mate. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye.